14. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is our life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And verse 15 continues on. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. We're reminded that whether someone is in their 90s, we think about our sister Betty or our brother Frank, and think about someone who is, we would say, lived a full life. You think about someone such as our sister Vicky, that's a little more unexpected to many of us. It doesn't matter the age or the time that our life will be required or the Lord will return, even as we talked about that in our class on Wednesday night. And we're reminded of the frailty of life and the opportunity we have to encourage one another. And we're thankful that you're here. We're thankful for this good body of people and the encouragement that we can provide in the good times and even in the sorrowful times when life feels a little heavier, when our sorrow feels a little bit heavier. But we're thankful for a few moments that we can share in God's word together this morning, even as we have this opportunity here. When you were a child, I think it's fair to say that oftentimes we don't do this enough as adults. Sometimes we would look up at the clouds, maybe lay down in the grass and, and think about what the clouds in the sky looked like. And maybe as adults, we need to do that a little more often. But oftentimes we would look up at the clouds and we would see signs or we would see animals or we would see all these different things and of course often there's a debate if you've got somebody with you somebody will say well that cloud looks like this and they'll say it looks like that but some people look for signs in the clouds this is a particular picture one that most folks would agree probably looks maybe like an angel or at least what we would picture in our minds maybe an angel looks like there's another one there with the sun behind it that sort of makes sense. People might look up and say, look at that cloud. And we talk about there being signs in the clouds. It's encouraging to us sometimes. We enjoy that. It's a little bit of creativity involved in our life. And sometimes when we're older, we don't think about the clouds that way as much. But this morning, we want to for just a few moments. I had to confirm with Don that he would be the one to lead the song about an unclouded sky before the, song, before the sermon about clouds. And he verified he didn't know what the sermon was going to be about, and he just picked that song anyways. And certainly, again, on days like today where we think about our loved ones who are gone, we think about that day. We think about an unclouded sky and that home that is waiting for us, and, and we long for that. But this morning, we want to think about the clouds for a few moments. You see, when we think about the Bible... The Bible speaks about clouds. In fact, if you were to look through the King James Version, just for instance, the, Bible, the word clouds or even cloudy or cloud is mentioned some 162 times in 149 verses. I thought we could read all 149 verses, and then I thought again. So I, I prefer to keep my job and not uh, lose it today for reading 149 verses during the sermon. 149 verses, 162 times. I don't know if you've ever considered that. Certainly, as we're going to do this morning, we're going to touch on some of the verses that we know, some of the stories and occasions that we're familiar with where clouds are involved. But I think we can take some other points. You see, clouds in Scripture teach us about God. And we're going to take about four points this morning, and the lesson will be yours. But to consider this idea that maybe there are some signs in the clouds. And as we look up... And think about the clouds, we can remember some things about God. Number one this morning, we think about the signs in the clouds. Clouds teach us about God's power. Clouds teach us about God's power. A few other examples in connection with that. Power for strength. In Psalm 68, in verse number 34, the Bible says, Ascribe ye strength unto God. 
His excellency is over Israel, and his strength is in the clouds. Maybe a better rendering for our mind might be the fact that his strength goes up or goes as far as the clouds. We think about Psalm 19 in verse number 1. The heavens declare the, ha- the glory of God and the firmament show His handiwork. When we think about the clouds, oftentimes we think about God's power. Whether it be storms and things such as lightning that we can see and view the power uh, of clouds, we think a lot of times about God's power and the power that He has in His strength. You see, He gives strength and power to His people. In that Psalm 68, you go to the next verse, verse number 35, It says, O God, Thou art terrible. Now, of course, that's not the way we typically use the word, but O God, Thou art awesome, we might say, or awe-inspiring out of the holy places. The God of Israel is He that giveth strength and power unto His people. Blessed be God. He gives strength and power to His people. So we look at the clouds and we think about God's power for strength. We go on a little bit further. We might think about God's power and God's power to judge. We see that maybe more often than any. Uh, Most common in the Bible, when we see clouds, we think about God's power to judge. Uh, Often in the Bible, when we think about that power to judge, we think about clouds, dark clouds, often forebode a, a powerful storm that is coming. And we think about that, of course, even in our life today, when we see the dark clouds that are maybe off in the distance, And certainly that's the case when it comes to God and the Bible and even God's power to judge. In Psalm 97, verses 1 through 3, the psalmist says, The Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. Clouds and darkness are round about Him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of His throne. A fire goeth before Him and burneth up His enemies Round about. You see, here we see that God, the Bible here, the psalmist pictures God surrounded by clouds and victorious. In Isaiah chapter 19 and verse number 1, Behold, the Lord rideth upon a swift cloud and shall come into Egypt. And the idols of Egypt shall be moved in his presence, and the heart of Egypt shall melt in the midst of it. Here, Isaiah's writing, he pictures God riding on a cloud to judge. We think about Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 30. A very specific instance uh, uh, pictures Jesus coming in the clouds. And of course, thinking there about a, a very specific instance of the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70 and that judgment. But again, Jesus is pictured there in Matthew as being in the clouds. Or about Numbers chapter 12 verses 1 through 10. And, and in chapter 16, we don't have time to, to go through these. But in chapter 12, Moses is, has a problem with his brother and his sister, and they are passing judgment on him. And the Bible mentions the fact that God appears in a cloud. And, and Miriam's going to have leprosy. There's a judgment that goes along with their rebellion. Or over in Numbers chapter 16, perhaps you're familiar with the story of the rebellion of, of Korah and Dathan and Abiram. And after those men and some of their families are killed, the next day, After they have been killed, the people approach Moses and say, You have killed the people of the Lord. And of course, that's not true. Moses didn't do it. God did it. And God passed a righteous judgment. And not only after that, but once they say that, You have killed the people of God, the Lord appears in a cloud. He passes judgment. And then several thousand people are going to die before Aaron intercedes. And that that is stopped there. But we see that God has a power to judge when we think about clouds. 
We would notice as well in a better sense, not necessarily the negative sense, but in a better sense that we see God's power to redeem. God's power to redeem. In Isaiah chapter 44, in verse number 22, we see that it, the Bible says, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. We talked in our class on Wednesday night, Brother Carl mentioned Micah chapter 7 and verse 19. The Bible describes our sins as being cast into the depths of the sea. Or even the psalmist in Psalm 103 and verse 12, as far as the east is to the west. We understand that distance and how far it is. And we understand that that is how far God will take our sins away. And so we think about God's power to redeem. And it's very encouraging for us. When we think about that power that he has, and even as we see there from Isaiah chapter 44, we think about the encouragement that we take from clouds, and not just thinking about God's power to judge, but God's power to redeem. We think as well about God's power to save. We know God is all-powerful, but he has the power to save. And we think about his power, of course, is in the gospel. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16 Think about 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it, the gospel, is the power of God. Or even 2 Peter 1, 3, that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God has the power to save. He has given us the gospel but before we move on to our next point, think with me for just a minute in connection with this, that, that we can be thankful that Christians today have the, the same opportunity as others through the past to reflect or to share God's power. It's not just something that is above us and something we can't comprehend, but we can think about it, we can consult His Word, and then we can reflect that power and that glory. We think about that we're supposed to do that in our good works. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. As we think about those that we've lost recently and their good example, we come across reminders such as that. That it wasn't about us and it wasn't about them, but it was about glorifying God. You see, Christians are to reflect the power of God, the glory of God in their good works. But we might include with that in bearing fruit. John chapter 15 and verse number 8, Jesus says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. We are to be in the fruit-bearing business. And Christians who do that are reflecting the power and glory of God. And we might even say, thirdly, in holy living. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 20, Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That's what we are to do. And he would say before that, because you have been bought with a price. You have been bought with a price, so therefore do these things. In our holy living, we are to reflect the power of God. But when we think about that, we think about God's power that is reflected in the clouds. You see, we might sum it up this way. You may be familiar with Romans chapter 11 and verse number 22. The goodness and severity of God. When we think about the clouds and we think about God's power, we might sum it up by saying that the clouds teach us of God's goodness, but also of God's severity. And we can be thankful for both of those and be reminded of His power, even this morning through the clouds. Number two, as we think about the clouds, clouds teach us about God's provision. 
Clouds teach us about God's provision. If you have your Bible, you can be turning to the book of Exodus because we're going to spend a few moments there. And these are some of the stories, again, that are most common to us. First of all, we might say under the idea of God's provision, we would think about his provision of guidance. Do you recall in Exodus chapter 13, specifically verses 21 through 22, as the the children of Israel are coming out of Egypt, the Bible says, The Lord went before them by day in the pillar of a cloud to lead them them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. God gave a cloud as specifically exactly a provision of guidance. Now this is where our ladies usually throw in that if Moses had been like most men, he wouldn't have followed directions, right? Even if he had them, we wouldn't do that, us men. But he didn't need them. Because God was going to lead them by provision, by the cloud. And it offered guidance. Of course, as we turn the page and think about us today, God's word guides us spiritually. Psalm 119, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We think about John chapter 6 and verse 63. The words I give you are life. We have God's Word to guide us spiritually. He has still provided us. There's no cloud hovering over the building today or guiding us day by day in the exact same physical sense, but He still gives us a provision of guidance. And so when we look back at the Old Testament, we can be thankful for that. But when we think about the New Testament and His Word, we can be thankful for that. And we can learn that from the clouds. Secondly, under this point, we might think about God's provision and His provision for protection. Go forward there in Exodus, if you're still there, chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 through 20. You may recall that after they leave there, that Pharaoh's going to harden his heart. He's going to change his mind. He's he's going to say, I don't want to let them go. Let's go chase them down. In Exodus chapter 14, beginning in verse 19, the Bible says, And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them. But it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all night. Can you imagine being on the back end of the million or so people possibly of the children of Israel and looking back and seeing the Egyptians overtaking you or ready to overtake you, but yet they never get there all night long because of God's protection. And in a sense, the clouds remind us of God's protection. But again, as we flip the page and we think about our life, there's not a promise of protection from suffering. No, some are still going through that even this day. And of course, the reminder to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall, will suffer persecution. We're not promised to be protected from the suffering and the sorrows of this life, but we are promised that we can have protection from hell, from eternal damnation. We think about Revelation chapter 14 and verse 13. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. We think about Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4, where God shall wipe away every tear and there will be no more death, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more crying. He's promised us that we don't have to feel that anymore. Not here in this earthly life, But one day, if we will be found faithful, God has promised protection. And we learn that even as we think today about the clouds. But thirdly, under God's provision, we think about His provision of daily bread. Again, from the children of Israel in the book of Exodus. 
You may recall, as they go along, they want food. They're looking for food in Exodus chapter 16 and verses 10 through 12. And it came to pass, as Aaron spoke unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel speak unto them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. And what happened on the next day? What happened? He gives them manna. And he's going to do so for 40 years, of course, giving them sustenance that they collect one day for the next day, of course, until Friday that they would collect two, uh, two gatherings for the Sabbath, so they don't have to, to do that on the Sabbath day. But God provides for them their daily bread. He did so as He speaks there from the cloud. And when we think about signs in the cloud, we are reminded of God supplying them their daily bread. And again, as we turn to us, God provides us our daily bread. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things that matter so much from day to day but really shouldn't matter here upon this earth. These physical things shall be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Or Philippians chapter 4 and verses 19 and 20. My God shall supply your every need. Paul would write to those in Philippi and try to give them the encouragement. It doesn't matter what you're facing. Be reminded that Paul is writing from prison in jail, and he can say, my God will provide your every need because God provides for his people. He provides daily bread, and we should be thankful for that. Even as we look back to Exodus, God is working there physically, in a sense, in the cloud. He may not be today, but it doesn't mean he's not working by providing for us with protection, with daily bread, and yes, even with guidance. Number three this morning, the clouds teach us about God's presence. The clouds teach us about God's presence. This is what we usually think about, of course, again, when we think about the Old Testament specifically. And when we go through the list there, we think about, first of all, the presence in giving the law to Moses, the law of Moses there. In Exodus chapter 19 and verse number 9, the Lord spake unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with thee and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. We think about that great scene at Mount Sinai. You know, a lot of times we talk about 1 Kings 18, and we preached about that recently with the prophets of Baal and with Elijah, and that great scene on Mount Carmel. It's a pretty good scene, but so is Mount Sinai there. As Moses goes up in that cloud, God actually shows his presence there. It was there in the giving of the law. We go forward to Exodus chapter 24 and verses 15 through 18. And Moses went up into the mount and a cloud covered the mount. And Moses went, verse 18, into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. And verse 17, in the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring, devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. How powerful that must have been to imagine God's presence. I know we've seen movies about it. You, you may think of other things that you've read or seen, but, but what it would have been like to be right there in that moment. But you know, we go forward in the Bible and we think about what Jesus' parents were told to call him. What was the name? Emmanuel, God with us. You see, that was a great scene there in Exodus 19 and Exodus 24, but even in the New Testament, we can imagine God 
with us and what that must have been like. We think about Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17 and verses 1 through 8, the Mount of Transfiguration. And there Jesus is transfigured and those who are watching by and God says, This is my beloved Son, hear ye Him. The law and the prophets are represented there, but hear ye Him. God is with you. God is with us. And we can be reminded of the presence of God even as we think about there. Romans chapter 7 and verse number 4. Wherefore, my brethren, ye are also become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. God with us. Jesus the Christ here. The clouds remind us, whether it be Exodus or the Mount of Transfiguration, we think about God's presence, even in the giving of the law of Moses. But we go forward and we think about God's presence, and specifically in the tabernacle. You see, it wasn't just there. He wants His people to understand that He is always present. And so we go forward to the tabernacle, and guess what? God is there. In Exodus chapter 40, beginning in verse 33, and even through verse 38, so Moses finished the work. Moses finished the work, verse 34, then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. How amazing it is to consider what takes place there. Exodus chapter 25 and verse number 8, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And even going down into Exodus 29, verses 43 through 46, I will meet with the children of Israel there, that is, in the tabernacle, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. Verse 46, And they shall know that I am the Lord, their God, that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. God offered His presence in the tabernacle. They could see that. They could know that. But even going forward, then later in the temple, He's going to offer up that His presence. In 1 Kings chapter 8, in verses 10 through 11, it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. And even there in verse 11 it says, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, because of the presence of the glory of the Lord that filled the house of the Lord. Because of what takes place there and God being there present in the temple, they can't go in there. They can't stand to minister, to do their work. God was present in the temple. And of course, we think today about the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. We're thankful that God gives us His presence even today, and that He does so, in a sense, in the church. Yes, sometimes we wish there was a cloud that we could see, that we could feel, but He is present. He always has been present with His people, and we are thankful for that. As we go forward, we think about His presence then, even in our daily life. Not just in the church, but in our daily life. In Numbers chapter 9 and verse 18, At the commandment of the Lord, the children of of Israel journeyed, and at the commandment of the Lord they pitched, as long as the cloud abode upon the tabernacle, they rested in their tents. Can you imagine? We call it scoreboard watching, you know, some today, trying to see what's going on. The, The children of Israel watching the cloud. Can you imagine what would have happened if the cloud had remained and they had tried to move on without the presence of God? I dare say they wouldn't have. And yet we sometimes today turn our back on God. We wander away from Him. 
If the cloud was there, they were not going to move. They were going to stay within the presence of the cloud. And we're thankful for that. And for us today, that means that when we act by God's authority, He is with us. When we act by His authority, He is with us. James chapter 4 and verse number 8. Draw nigh unto God and He will draw nigh unto you. We act by His authority. When we do that, when we do all things in the name of the Lord... We do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Colossians 3, 17. God is with us. He is present in our daily lives. And we can be thankful for that. You see, they saw God's presence in their daily lives. And sometimes we wish that He was here with us in that sense, but He's not. But we should still feel that. We should still take comfort in that. If you're like a lot of people, you're the kind who we think about it when things are going good. We give thanks to God. If you're like some other people, you're only crying out to God when you're in need and you need something, but we should feel His presence always. We think about Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, the reminder, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's comforting words, especially for us as Christians. We may not have the same interaction physically in that sense with God as they did in the book of Exodus, but it does not mean that we cannot still feel His presence and we cannot still think about that in light of the signs in the cloud. Number four, the clouds teach us about God's promises. The clouds teach us about God's promises. And of course, we're going to reference here as we begin God's promise never to destroy the earth again by flood. You recall Genesis chapter 9, verses 13 through 15. I do not set my bow in the cloud. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. Let me ask you a question. Consider for just a moment. Put yourself in the shoes of good old Noah. Not pre-flood, post-flood. What would it be like to be Noah... See one of those clouds in the sky. Would you not feel a little nervous maybe? I mean, you know the promise he's made, but when you see a dark cloud come up, might you not want to take off running for that ark again maybe and let's go back just for a little while. Just, for, you know, just close the door just for a little while while those clouds pass by. What did Noah think when he saw the clouds? But what about the rainbow? What about when he saw the clouds and then he saw the rainbow? What did he feel? It wasn't that same terror maybe or that same feeling of dread but it was that feeling of peace, knowing that God has made a promise and He will stand by that, even as He does now, some almost 6,000 years later. We can be thankful that the clouds show God's promises. But not only that, as we go forward, the clouds give us promises of Jesus' return. In Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, we talked about this in our Bible class on Wednesday night. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he, as Jesus, was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by, stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven." Jesus is described in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 7 as ascending or as coming in the clouds. Revelation 1, 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye 
shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. He ascended into heaven, but he left a promise. We talked about in our class Wednesday night, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. And, and Buford asked us a question, and we promised we'd get to it this coming Wednesday night, God be willing. And we're going to talk about 1 Thessalonians 4 and that, that promise that he is going to return. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the cloud. You see, Christ left, he ascended in a cloud, but he made a promise that he would return. And even as Paul writes to those there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 18, wherefore comfort one another with these words. We're thankful that he will do that, that we can look to that. That God's promise, just as it was that he would destroy the earth, just as it was that he would not destroy the earth again with water, and just so as he thinks about him, Jesus, returning again. You see, the rainbow and the clouds themselves remind us of Romans chapter 4 and verse 21. Where speaking of Abraham, Paul says, And being fully persuaded that what he, that's God, had promised, he was also able to perform. There are a lot of signs in the clouds. We can look back in the Old Testament and we can see that. But even for us today, the clouds teach us about God's power. The clouds teach us about God's provisions. The clouds teach us about God's presence and, of course, about His promises. We're about to sing a song of encouragement in just a moment that we ask you to consider His promises. You see, one of those promises is that, he will, that Jesus will return, that Jesus will judge the world, and that's going to happen. But the good news of that is that we don't have to look on that day as a day that we worry about, that we fear, but a day that we can take comfort in. Because God also made some other promises. You see, even as Brian led us in some thoughts this morning, He sent His only begotten Son that we can be reminded of His death, burial, and resurrection. God made a promise that any who would believe, who would hear and believe upon the Word of God, repent of their sins, confess Jesus as Lord, and then be baptized for the remission of sins, that He will add you to His church and you can begin to live faithfully. You can have a home in heaven even this day. If you want to know more about this great plan of salvation, we would gladly study with you even this day because it's that important of a decision. Or maybe you've done that, but in times past you've wandered away. Because see, the other promise that God makes is that we have to remain faithful. And if we do not remain faithful, then, then we can stumble and fall. We can turn our back on God. And that's a place we don't want to be. But he says, if you will keep on walking in the light as he is in the light, then the blood of Christ will continually forgive our sins. And so maybe you're here today and you've not been walking in the light and you need to repent of sin, confess those before God in this great audience in a public manner, and we would love to pray for you and with you. The great blessing of being together is that we have that opportunity to sing to encourage you that whether you need to become a Christian, whether you need to come back to Him, whether you need the prayers of this church, you can make that known now, even now as we stand together and as we sing.